You're listening to the Junior League of Louisville's podcast. joined Junior League in 1999 and served as president from 2009 to 2010. She served in many capacities with a flair for public affairs and strategic planning. I have with me today Mary Ellen Wiederwall, and she was Junior League president 2009-2010 and joined in the year, became a provisional 2000. Thank you for meeting with us today, Mary Ellen. We kind of kick off these things definitely asking how you found out about the Junior League and what, what prompted you to get involved? I'm trying to remember how I first heard about the league, and I don't know that I'm going to pull that out of the back of my <laughs> head, other than uh, I was always one of those people in high school and college who was in everything, right? You know, the, the annoying person in the yearbook that had like the entire column <laughs> of activities, and then in college, you know, was the ultimate joiner. And so I, I guess you could say I always had an affinity for being in groups and coming together with people to both do fun things and also affect change. And so somewhere along the way, I must have heard about the Junior League. And of course, I'm an old sorority girl, so I had already discovered that uh, when women come together in organizations, we can have great power as well as great fun. <laughs> so I knew about the League um, maybe through some of the people in Louisville as well. And frankly, that was maybe the magnetism that drew me to wanting to be a league member was these amazing women, a generation before me who had been league members and then ultimately league presidents. And so I wanted to be like them and I wanted to be a part of this venerable organization. Uh, kind of like when you go through Rush, you want to be a part of the best group on campus, right? So I wanted to be a part of the league because it has had over the years such a reputation for excellence and who doesn't want to be associated with that. I agree obviously so I'm a member too but I know that you I obviously met you at U of L but that wasn't where you started and you're not from Louisville so where did you how did we get Mary Ellen Weirwall? <laughs> I'm from greater Louisville. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Meade County which is about an hour southwest of Louisville and literally if you got in a boat and just floated downstream you'd go right past where I grew up. Mom still uh, lives there. And uh, I am sort of a classic American tale. Uh, my father came to this country with his family after World War II when he was about 10 years old. And so I'm a first-generation American on my father's side. That's how you get a name like Wiederwald. <laughs> if you want to be German about it, Wiederwald. And then my mother's family has been here a very long time. In fact, on her side, I am a daughter of the American Revolution. Oh. And uh, I'm an eighth-generation Kentuckian the family having been here in Kentucky since right around 1800. So my father, after uh, school, uh, joined the Army. They ended up sending him to Fort Knox. When he finished his uh, time in the Army, he, he left and stayed in Kentucky and met a Kentucky girl, and that's how you get Mary Ellen. <laughs> well, we are glad you're here, and we're glad. Did U of L's uh, music program bring you, or how did we get lucky to get you to transfer there? So yeah, I, uh, I sort of took the grand tour of colleges. <laughs> I was one of those people who wanted to be everything when I was growing up. I've always, you know, sort of been jealous of people who say they want to be one thing. Oh, I want to be a doctor. And they hold on to that, and that's the one thing they want to be. Well, I'm, you know, 44 years old and still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. And now, cons seriously considering the option of not just growing up, why not? 
But I, I took the grand tour trying to figure out. I, I ended up back at UofL at the beginning of my junior year, and it was a really wonderful experience for me. Uh, it's tough to transfer schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, it builds grit, right, <laughs> and it resilience. Really does. But I immediately uh, fell in with a good group. Alice, you were a part of that. And look, we're <laughs> still here together all these years later. And my junior and senior years at UofL were really great. And, and I realize now that was as much about the university as it was about the city. And Louisville is a very welcoming city, a very friendly city. Uh, we, of course, have a Midwestern economy, but our culture is very Southern, very hospitable. And uh, I just uh, had a great experience. I, I had a, a lot of opportunity here. Louisville is not a stratified city. Anybody can come here and be anything and make a difference. And that was what my experience was like from day one at UofL as a junior in college. And I was able somehow to get out of school two years after that. I had a lot of semesters with heavy credit hours and then stayed here. And so I have been a consistent Louisville resident since 1994 and uh, joined the league in that 99-2000 year. And in fact, I think my year when I joined the league was possibly the last year where you had to have someone sign for you. And, and it's real double-edged sword, that issue. You know, I know it was kind of a tortured decision to figure out, do we keep it, do we let it go? Because when someone vouches for you, it's a, another layer of affirmation. It's a, you know, this is something special. Yes. That, that every member gets to sign for one person per year, and you're my person. Now, on the other hand, times were changing. So, you know, we're Generation X. We're that tiny little generation in between the boomers and the fabulous millennials behind us. Uh, But we were in a time where uh, those kinds of barriers were being eliminated throughout society, so it made sense to to erase that. Uh, But that that was the last year, and I felt so proud that somebody would sign for me, and I felt so lucky. And just going into the league, our provisional class was huge. I think Elizabeth was in your class. Yeah, Elizabeth uh, Davenport, now Conway, was in my class with me. And I have a memory that there were 130-some-odd of us. Sounds huge. Yeah. And it was, you know, there were over a 1,000 women in the league at the time. And it was right at the end of stairways. It was at the end of that era. So I, I feel interesting in that my experience in the league kind of bridges kind of the a changing of times yes. uh, from, from when I joined to when I became president to today. Oh, definitely. And that um, provisional program for you was a year long. Correct. A full year. Yes. And to say, I know I came in, I think, two years or a year and a half after you and it was they had just done away with the I was not um no one signed for me or sponsored me right but I remember I missed that first deadline was it was like you have to someone sponsor you I'll be an active and I can sponsor you <laughs> and then I think um Mary we were all looking mm-hmm. to see who could get us in and then we missed the first boat and the next boat we didn't need it mm-hmm. the next time around I think that what you said about Louisville being um Everything said about UofL and Louisville really spoke to how people are described the league. Being able to come in regardless of what your professional experience is or, mm-hmm. or what, what skills you already have, you're able to jump in and do something completely, if you chose, different and gain mm-hmm. these um, great experiences and skills without the fear or repercussions that you get in the professional world, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're, you can't really, you know, there's a lot of little things that you can't miss on the job. But a lot of people have said that they came into the league and were able to take those big leaps and they were welcomed in, but they were able to make change and do things they never dreamed they'd be capable of doing. Well, and I think the Junior League of Lowell is a particularly welcome place and, and a particularly um, even playing field. Uh, you hear stories about leagues in other big cities where it's a little more competitive, it's a little more um, social or maybe more stratified. 
this league is like Louisville. Everybody's welcome. We don't care where you are from, what your station is in life, what your daddy's last name was. It doesn't matter. And that was a very important thing for me. Uh, you know, I have had an opportunity to do a lot of neat things in life, and, and I've gotten to meet a lot of people and do neat things. But, you know, I, I'm just a middle-class kid from Meade County. And look at the things I've gotten to do, and in large part, that's thanks to the league because the league gave me that, that field, that opportunity to go figure out what I wanted to do in the community and plugged me into those opportunities. So today, I lead all of the city's economic and community development activities. I have 400 people across six organizations who are working together with me every day on things uh, from sometimes from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, runs from very small things that are important to people to really big community systems change. So we do everything here from help you get your license or your permit uh, to, you know, trying to solve for uh, multi-generational poverty. <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's a big, very large, it's a broad. big spectrum, right? It's, it's, it's the full gamut. But honestly, of all of my great professional experiences before this, uh, I worked in the private sector for a decade. I worked in state government before that. I've worked with Fortune 500 companies, statewide associations, worked on some of the major public policy issues of our day. All those great experiences. Being a leader of Louisville Forward, the job I have today, I draw upon my league experience more than anything else. Because if you can get 600 volunteer women to follow you, you can do just about anything. That's the truth. <laughs> I knew you had felt that way that, you know, definitely spending a year in that role and um, mm -hmm. getting those opportunities. Are there any women that you've met along that time or way that you now look to as mentors, like in the city or in your role? Are there people that you've run into that you're like, hey, our common connection is the Junior League? Absolutely. And in fact, uh, before I was president, when uh, we were at the facility that's uh, the old Cosair, uh, the hospital mm -hmm. there on Eastern Parkway, the children's hospital that, that became Cosair Charities headquarters. Uh, there's a wall, or well, a wall there that had all of the past presidents on it and mm -hmm. all the Founders Award members on it, the black and white photos. And, and I knew all the good works of those women. And so then as you get a little older and you get involved in leadership and then you go out in the community and you get to actually work, you know, arm in arm, elbow to elbow with them, it's really pretty neat because you, you know, as a young person, you revere them and, and the things that they did in the community. And so a lot of those women in, you know, the latter part of the 20th century, they maybe weren't working, but instead of that, they were doing really big community projects and they were chairing boards and they were chairing capital campaigns and they were chairing important task forces and committees for the community around education, around child welfare, around big community projects. And so, you know, obviously my tilt being towards public policy and public affairs, I was looking at them and like, okay, now for my generation, it's going to look different, but I wanna be able to follow in their footsteps. So, you know, now when I run into these women at things and I get to work with Christy Brown yeah. and I get to work with Kathy Euler and you know many times running into Lindy Street somewhere and oh, yeah. um, you know it's um, it's just really really neat to uh, have gotten to do a little bit at least of what they were able to accomplish. And I noticed on here I think the org chart if it is correct has that you had standard advisory board member or your person was Christy Lanier Robinson who we spoke mm -hmm. to earlier and then your community advisory board was Jennifer Blair. Mm -hmm. And then diversity advisor and corporate solicitations advisor, you had 
um, Committee Wise Bloom Boutique, Home of the Innocents, Keep in Touch, and then you had an overarching Be Fit, Be Fine that contained mm -hmm. four projects, one of which being Urban Garden. Mm -hmm. Did any of those that I just mentioned like speak to you in any way where you were like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> or that was, you know, something that I truly had a, a, a learning or teaching moment in. Well, you know, I think every president has um, uh, fond memories of the headaches over whatever community project didn't go well or <laughs> didn't uh, meet expectations. So my time period of leadership in the league was, uh, from a community perspective, marked by the Be Fit, Be Fine initiative. And, of course, that grew out of AJLI's Kids in the Kitchen and a focus across the country continues today but really was in its early stages then around uh, child nutrition and health. And the fact that, um, frankly, the standard American diet is not particularly good for anybody, particularly for kids. And there are a lot of kids not only don't get um, adequate food in general, but are, are malnourished as well here in the richest country in the world. So it started from that, and it was all about healthy eating. And then we put the um, fitness component around it as well. And so we were really experimenting. I mean, we were trying to be entrepreneurs with this. And it, like I said, it was in a time period where some of these issues dominated public policy debates as well at the, the state and federal level. So we might have been a little bit before our time, but that's what the league's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to push mm -hmm. issues. You know, now you find these issues are really commonplace. I mean, now we are more in tune with what we eat uh, than we ever have. We still have all the same problems in our food system. But it, it's interesting when I look back now, this many years later, um, you know, I have become very conscious of my food intake and my personal fitness more so than I was even when I was president. But one fond memory I have is that my first 5K I ever ran was the uh, Run Wild race that we did as part of that initiative. For the zoo. Was that one at the zoo? I was or the we year that after Bowman? that when we did it at Bowman. And I surely thought I was going to die that morning. I really, <laughs> really did. There was a really hilly course. If you're, you know, the you know Pee Wee Reese there that runs along the back of Bowman. Really hilly. Bad choice for a first 5K. <laughs> I almost threw up later that morning. But you did it. You I did it. it. I did it. Now I do have Things marathons Things you did that you never triathlons. did. Right. And see, the Junior League helped lead me yes. to that. Well, we definitely have enjoyed that. And I know you had, what, ten, almost 10 years from when you mm -hmm. joined till you became president. So you saw almost a decade in the league. And like mm -hmm. you said, marked by the move from Stairways to 2nd Street, then marked by the move mm -hmm. from 2nd Street to Cozair Charities. We are actually going to be entering upon another move. I know. It happens. And I know. And so um, change is always a constant, right? Right. The, Isn't that the, the way it is? Change. You got that right. Although it still seems to surprise <laughs> us. We still seem surprised we all by have, change. Yes. And no one's perfected how to mm -hmm. change without friction or mm -hmm. anything. So we'll definitely be going down that road. But it's definitely, where do you see us going forward? Do you mm -hmm. see an area that the junior league can, we're going to turn 102 years. Is there an area that you think, hey, look over here or is there something you wish you had accomplished that maybe we could look at accomplishing in the future? Well, you can always look in the rearview mirror and see clearly things that weren't obvious <laughs> at the time. True. But you can't live in the past either. So I was a, a little bit of an unusual league member for the time period in that I had been in so long before becoming president. I also had managed to sprinkle my experience across nearly every council, and some of it by accident. Uh, as with most league members, I had some years where I was more active than others. Mm -hmm. And so I had sort of landed in places that, you know, it's not like I had a grand plan to make sure I had a year in finance and a year in fundraising and a year in this. Uh, but I, I got that great experience, which really did help me uh, when I was, I was president. But when I look backwards now, I, I was thinking uh, in preparation for this about 
how we were all worried so much about our membership levels. And what I realize now in reverse is one of the reasons we were fighting this is because during the time that we were active, Generation X was in, the, in its prime, and Generation X is half the size of the prior generations. So we were just pushing against a math problem we didn't fully understand at that time. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, the boomers are twice as big as us, and the millennials are twice as big as us. There were just fewer women of our age to go around. So we frankly you know, kind of held our own pretty well. So, so we survived that. That's the learning in the past. We, you know, the league has done a really nice job of understanding generational change and trying to adjust for that. The AJLI trainings, I think, even to this day, really do a nice job with that. But now we're at a place, so we have this huge millennial group, and now we've got the centennials, or Generation Z, coming up next. They're graduating from college this year. Oh, so my children, that's what they match children. Yes, they're not your they're high school, but. Yeah, this is going to be that generation. So we're still trying to figure out what, what to make of them. But all membership organizations today are, are struggling. And part of that is just the sheer volume of things available to us. But it's also a di- maybe a different value system. Um, and, and, and maybe some of that's healthy. So what that means is then the league has to always be considering its value proposition. But I'm excited about it because anytime that two or more people come together in pursuit of something that they want to advocate for, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for them personally, and it's a great thing for America. I'm a big fan of pluralism. <laughs> so I, I think people coming together in groups makes us stronger. So I, I think um, also that <laughs> there's still very much a place for women's organizations. You know, when you're president-elect, you have that luncheon and you give a speech. Do you remember that? Yes, you we still do that. You still do that. We still okay. have the president-elect still holds the yes. past president luncheon. Yes, yes. yes. So, so I went to all this trouble to write this very heady, wonky speech, you know, true to me. <laughs> 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 Talked about Lexus to Tocqueville and pluralism and groups and all this. And somewhere in that speech... Um, I believe I said, probably much to the horror of many in the room, that I yearned for a day when we didn't need women's organizations. So think about the time I said that. I would have said that in 2009, 2008 or nine. And and you think about where we are today, 10 years later, and we are still fighting for some very basic things as women. But wow, in the last year, have we just blown the doors off of the conversation. (laughs) So where I sit today, a decade later, I think women's organizations are more important than ever. But I think for very different reasons than I thought about 10 years ago. And, And the reality is women's organizations developed largely because women didn't have as many choices. And so when I had this thought that maybe we wouldn't need them, it was because I yearned for us to have everything available to us that all the men had. And legally today, we do. Practically, we still don't. And so today, we're coming together to fight together and to lean on each other and to promote each other and to hire each other. And so it's a very, very different world than it was 10 years ago, and we are learning faster than ever in accelerating that change faster than ever, which to me makes the league more relevant than ever. That's a nice way to prepare for a centennial turning 100, mm-hmm. is to capture that message and, and move that forward. 
I hope so. We've been here almost 100 years. I think we look good for being 100. You I think, think so, so too. And, and what will the next 100 <laughs> look for like for us? Gosh, that's exciting. Um, and I think it's exciting, too, that we don't know. know. Uh, can you imagine what they thought when they were founding this uh, 100 years ago? Um, you know, I think that um, the, the world really is our oyster. And we've got an opportunity to make that future. What, what our challenge is, is reaching the young women of today to make sure they know about the league and to make sure they know what's possible. So I sought it out. I, I knew that this was something I wanted to do. Now today, there are so many things, and of course, everything related to the internet has just given us myriad new opportunities to do new things, and we've got to really make sure we bust through that noise, that clutter, to mm -hmm. tell people about this great organization. And frankly, for me, one of the ways I know to do that best is to be present and to promote this, and that every time I get announced to speak in an event, and they read my bio, it says past president of the Junior League of Louisville, because I want young women to come up to me and ask me, what is the Junior League? Why should I be a member of the Junior League? And whenever one of the young women who works with me says, you know, how can I get more engaged? How can I do more for the community? I say, check out the Junior League. Well, and we all you. have to do that. I agree. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad we're got doing this. You've schedule to keep. And um, as I've told a lot of people, this is just like a one-touch. Mm -hmm. Two years is the anniversary. This was kind of Lauren Coulter's dream mm -hmm. that she brought to life, as we're hearing. She has no podcast experience in the past and took on something <laughs> that's what's so great about the league, yeah. you know, stretching yourself in areas you never knew. And we're hoping to do more of these things as well as to touch back with you yeah and we'll definitely see more or hear more of mary ellen in the future so thank you very much for your time i i hope to be around for a while thank <laughs> you for the the opportunity